And we're plugged in with Maura Collins. Hello. I am joined by Ernest. Hello, dear. Zell. How are you? And Melissa Green. Hi. (laughs) How you guys doing? We're doing awesome today. Awesome. I thank you both already for coming on the show. So excited. I thought about a good topic that I really wanted to have on the show and parenting recovery. If I ever was to write a book other than a memoir because a biography has to be fiction, a memoir you can kind of tweak if you're in recovery. I figure everyone doesn't need to know everything about me, right? Little fiction is good to mix in. Um, Would be a book on parenting recovery because it's so important that parents that are, you know, recovering Um, be active in their recovery, and educate other people on what it's like to have children and balance that out with their recovery because essentially you're staying clean not just for you but so that you're available for your children. And uh, you two came to mind. Um, Amazing parents in recovery that I personally call you both friends. So I just wanted to have you on the show and talk a little bit about parenting recovery. So... um, Let's start with you, Ernest. Okay. Give us um, a little background on uh, what it's like to be a father and be in recovery a little bit. Um, my journey began about 12 and a half years ago, um, and I have adult kids, and then I have a toddler. Um, so uh, my, my journey in recovery started with my adult kids seeing me um, out there and also seeing me come into recovery. My toddler has only known me as who I am today. Uh, so I'm blessed in that sense. Uh, but recovery in, in parenting and recovery today uh, is, is, is much better than what it was previously because I've had a lot of an opportunity to actually work on myself and work on who I am as a person to be a better father uh, for my son. Uh, I'm also a better father for my adult kids as well. Our relationship today is second to none. I have great relationships with all my kids, uh, and and it's been a blessing uh, as a result of recovery. That's amazing. So how many years have you been in recovery? Twelve and a half years. Twelve and a half. Wow. Twelve and a half years. Yeah. That's awesome. Wouldn't trade it either. For sure, right? No, for sure. Are you going to have any more kids? I wasn't planning on it uh you know i'm i'm i'm, I'm on the uh coming up on the golden years of my life uh, so I, i'm going when to enjoy stop? you know the the toddler that i have yeah i mean know? we're honest on this show it's not like you know what age does it end what? for you guys it, it, it doesn't end for men oh really no, oh. no we, we can do lots of nice wow i didn't know that you know so you know my my, my choice would be uh with someone that can't have kids that's a good preference so melissa yeah talk to me about what it's like to be a mom how many kids you have how long you've been in recovery a little backstory i have three kids and one of my children um i had her really young so her my parents and his parents brought her up and she saw a lot of my active using and um we are close in age because I had her so young um thank god she grew up to be like the polar opposite of what I was as her age um she's in college and she's doing really good it's funny because I can still see 
the disease manifesting in her in other ways. But because of me, I know that she has chosen purposefully to not go a certain way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have a 10-year-old and a 4-year-old. And um, as you know, my 4-year-old has special needs and she requires nursing at home. Um, and then my 10-year-old, he actually has behavioral needs. Um, so part of my recovery process has been also to focus on each one of my child my two youngest that are at home their recovery process also and whatever that is so for riley it's therapies it's treatment it's getting good nurses and it's training them and um, with my son he sees a therapist and he sees a psychiatrist he is medicated um i'm actually i got full custody of him and I'm in the middle of still making that permanent but for um me the hardest part of recovery and parenting was to to understand what it meant when they said to put your recovery first because as a mother I think instinctually we put our children first even before ourselves so when you tell us that and we're leaving you know to do homework and eat dinner at home so that I can go do what I need to for my recovery. Um, it's really hard to understand what that, how, how, what that looks like, you know, because here we are, some of the guilt and shame kind of made me feel bad. And then I'm recovering and I have to do these things to keep it. And it again makes me feel guilty. You know what I mean? So knowing that what I'm doing for myself is the best for my children um, and what that is supposed to look like has been like probably the biggest challenge for me. And once I started to really focus on my recovery first, everything else went into play and that guilt and shame went away. And I knew that when I disciplined my children, it's because I wanted the best for them, not because I didn't discipline them or held back on it because I felt guilty, you know what I mean? And I didn't want them to, you know, have any more pain or suffering, you know? Right. So how old were you when you had your first baby? 16. Wow. Yeah. So you were a teen mom. Yep. I was very young. I stayed in high school. I was pregnant in high school. Um, It was a challenge when I knew I was pregnant. I um, was able to finish high school really early. I actually went to get my GED, and I scored so high that the the, um, school board allowed me to take my SATs, and I scored high on that, so they let me walk um, early, young. And then I went to college and um, did two years of college and didn't... And then started my addiction, basically. Wow. So I watched Teen Mom and Teen Mom OG, Teen Mom 2, all those Teen Mom shows, right? So I got addicted to that reality TV stuff of watching these teenagers have kids go through addiction, go through all these different things like Mm -hmm. custody and divorces. And I've been watching this show for like a long time. So... Part of it was just being interested in what it was like to be a teen mom. That had to be such a major challenge. And to see some of them give their kids up for adoption or, you know, go through divorce or a blended family, all those challenges that being a young parent, I mean, I can't even imagine that had to be like so tough on you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it definitely like set the role for it gave me the feeling of I did love being a mother. I knew from a little, little girl from a young age that I was going to be a mother and I wanted to do that. I just didn't do it the right way. (laughs) You know, I didn't go about it the right way. Um, And then, you know, having this disease and having to treat it 
and having to be able to be that mom that I really want to be and that I know I can be really good at. So right. it's been right. a challenge, but yeah. it's worth it. I bet. It's nice to have somebody love you when you get home every night, no matter what, you know? That unconditional love. Yeah. For sure. Ernest, how do you stay organized? Because I, I bet you're you're very routined in everything you do from just what I know of you. I mean, how do you keep all this balanced without feeling like, oh, I'm guilty because I'm participating too much in my recovery, or maybe I'm not doing enough recovery. I'm with my kids too much. I'm going to the gym too much. I'm doing this. How do you balance it out? I know for me personally that uh, balance is a, a feeling inside. Uh, when when um, I feel fearful or I'm not sure what to do, I'm being indecisive, I know that I'm off kilter a little bit. And in, in those moments, I recognize that, okay, I may need to participate a little bit more in my recovery. Uh, and during those times, fortunately, we have Zoom today, which allows us to be active in recovery without leaving the comfort of our own homes, which gives us an opportunity to parent and actually do recovery at the same time. Uh, I am one who don't typically take their child into meetings. The meetings are specifically for me. Uh, not for my child. However, I've been in situations where as though I needed a meeting and my child was with me and they were going to go uh, because it was more important for me to stay clean uh, than to stranglehold or stand by uh, the idea that I didn't want my kids in meetings. So uh, my typical routine is I know what days that I have my son because I co-parent. I know what days I don't have my son. There's not normally anything going on in my life uh, that uh, to such a detriment that it forces me to have to be in meetings. Uh, so I balance it between when I have my son, I focus on him. And the days he's with, with his mom, I focus on my recovery. Now, there are means and ways for me to focus on recovery while I have my son. There are more tools than just going to meetings. Those other tools that I use are my sponsor, is prayer, my support network, which are friends that participate in recovery as well, because my kid goes to school. And when my kid's in school, it gives me an opportunity for to drive back and forth to the school, to drive back and forth to work, to participate in recovery and use the other tools that, that's that been allotted to me. So by doing so, um, I know it keeps me emotionally level. It keeps me spiritually centered which prevents me from having that feeling of, oh my God, I can't handle all of this. I gotta, I gotta get him to school. I gotta get his dinner ready. I gotta get his breakfast ready. I gotta get his clothes ready. I gotta help him with his homework. You know, I gotta make sure his room's cleaned up. I gotta give him a shower because I'm a single father. So um, by staying in contact with recovery, no matter what means that might be, it could be step work, it could be prayer, mm -hmm. it could be sponsorship, it could be sponsoring, it could be support network, it could be meetings. By staying in contact with that, it keeps me level headed to be able to do the next thing in front of me. And it's still important for me as a parent to also have routine for my child. I don't want them eating dinner at six o'clock one day, four o'clock the next day, seven o'clock the next day. We try to stay and some sort of routine for him as well. So that when we pick him up for school, we'll have an hour of some sort of activity between him and I. Then we will together cook dinner, we will clean up together, we will, we will pull out clothes together, <laughs> we will prep lunch together. 
you know, because I'm trying to teach him responsibilities along the way of being a parent. Because at some point in time, I don't want my kid being 16 years old looking at me saying, hey, dad, make my lunch for tomorrow. You know, like make right. your own lunch. <laughs> you know, there's plenty of food in the refrigerator. Yeah. Let me know what we're running out of. I'll financially be responsible. But you're old enough that you can actually start selecting and making your own stuff now. So I believe it's important to start that at a younger age. However, with me making that statement, my recovery still comes first because it is what allows me mm-hmm. to be able to make the decisions and do the things that I'm doing without that. Uh, the alternative is I wouldn't be a dad at all. Right. That's the alternative. You're available. Yeah, I'm, 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 not just, I'm not just physically present. I am emotionally present. Absolutely. I am attentive to what's going on. And that's what recovery is allotted me. Therefore, I make sure that that stays first and in the forefront. So that's helped you as far as having a routine when you go to bed at night. Like I know yes. I have to be in bed by 10. Hello. Or I can't get up you know, six in the morning and start my day. There is no Netflix until two o'clock in the morning. And I know I got a kid that's going to be up by six thirty, seven o'clock. That's not happening anymore. Not know? even on the weekend. No, 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 no. We don't do that anymore. Right. So in your situation, Melissa, with having, uh, you know, a child that's really needs you, like having a disability and all that, what is your schedule like? Like, how do you keep it organized? I feel like for your birthday, I should get you some sort of assistant other than, you know, I don't know how you figure it out. Love um, to know. It was, you know, she's four. Um, it was a process of elimination. First, I had to learn for myself what her disease was. Um, I spent my savings to go to a convention for SMA. Um, I plugged into people who um, were specialists in her disease. I have their phone number in my phone still to today. Um, and... I went from there. I learned about her disease. Um, I learned what help was out there for me. Um, found some nurses, trained them on what I learned um, and what how to take care of her properly. You know, and like, they match nurses up with the standard of care, the parents or whoever require for their child, you know? Like, there's nurses that don't want to do anything and have their kids out there that are completely ambulatory. Well, that's not my child's case. Um, her disease was supposed to be um, bad, but she's on a treatment that was FDA approved when she was four months old and she had already been on it. It wasn't even FDA approved. Um, and now they don't even have a prognosis for them, but 80% of them didn't make it past two years old and she's four. Um, so her disease progressively was supposed to take her out and she's progressively getting better and stronger um and mentally she's totally normal so she's very smart she absorbs a lot of stuff and is my 10 year old my four-year-old who can't communicate can communicate better than my 10 year old who is verbal (laughs) so she's she's like a sponge um and she's sassy like a normal (laughs) four-year-old so So once I started getting some help by nurses, I had to learn how to, around her, her life and her schedule, how to take care of me, you know. And for a long time, I didn't didn't understand that, and nor did I even know how to separate that. Um, And when I lost myself a few times along that way and came back quickly, I quickly realized that without me that she wouldn't have anybody to take care of her. Her father doesn't take care of her. 
he's intimidated by her disease, so he doesn't he doesn't take her. Um, pretty much, I'm the only one that she has that can take care of her, besides paid for nurses. You know what I mean? So I quickly come back, and each time um, I learn what I need to do differently, and I learn what to apply to take care of Melissa just a little bit more so that I can be strong enough so that I can take care of her for the rest of her life. You know what I mean? But Mm. it has been a process of elimination, um, and I've made quite a few mistakes, but I've come back really quickly, and I've gotten better and stronger every single time, and I don't take it for granted because I'm on a lot of SMA Facebook forums, and I watch these children pass away all the time. And I know that their life is precious and i don't take that for granted not one bit and because of her because of my daughter riley i have learned to take my time and my moments with my other children not for granted either like they're precious to me and anything can happen to any one of my children at any moment she just happens to have this that we know it's diagnosed right so all of these things what I've done for my children especially her have motivated me to give myself that same treatment like I got my cousin to drive me to this SMA conference I didn't even have a license at the time spent my savings account went to Magic Kingdom learned this disease came back and applied all of it to her and like I remember people telling me Melissa if you applied even a little bit of that to yourself in your life like you, you, you would be like amazing. And so I started to do that. Like I started to add meditation. I wake up an hour before any of my children are up and I sit outside and I meditate and I pray and I talk to my higher power and I start my day. Um, and I have things organized every week, a certain day I change her tubes. I sanitize her stuff. Um, my son has a therapist he does on zoom. Um, after school, I spend time with my son. From 2 to 4, Riley takes a nap. So that's time with me and my son alone. He goes to his dad's every other weekend. That's when I spend quality time with Riley. The weekend that I do have him, I try to have them both together. But if I have a nurse, I take him out on his own too. So it's at one day at a time. Um, I do the best that I can. And I give wherever my attention needs the most. He has bad days. She has bad days. I just spent the weekend at the hospital because her J2 came out. And I just do what I have to do literally minute by minute. I've learned that with her, I can't plan things sometimes, you know? I make plans and I hope for the best. But a big part of my position as her mother is what happens and whatever needs to happen for her, I have to just do it. And my plans with my friends in recovery, you know, sometimes those have to be changed. Right. And when I get there, if I need a meeting, there's Zoom. Right. And I have people on the phone. And I'm allowed to feel however I want to feel, and it's okay. Right. You know what I mean? I love that. Um, And I just take it one day at a time. I really do. Right. And in your case, one moment at a time, I was going to ask you know how hard it is how hard is it to have a social life when like i'm a single mom too you know i have one child who's in massachusetts with my parents he's 15 he's in high school finishing out school up north um you know that was the best scenario for him and then michael's down here and he's almost 13 so he cooks easy mac and he can make spaghettios at this point and make sandwiches for himself he's very self-sufficient 
you know, he knows the rules of mama's not home. You know, I have cameras set up and I have, you know, I have, mm-hmm. we have, you know, he knows who to call because I have no family down here. He knows my sponsor. He knows who to call in the fellowship that he knows, you know, if mama's not here and I can't get a hold of her right this minute, other than my dad, who I co-parent with his dad down here, um, I can call this person, this person, this person, and they'll be there right away. Mm-hmm. So do you both have like a network in place for the kids other than your family, would you say, like a backup plan? Like if you needed something or an emergency came up? I know for me personally, I have adult girls. So my only son uh, has three other mothers, uh, which are his sisters, and each one of them have access to my home. Uh, Sometimes I'll come home and items are missing because they came over there and went shopping through dad's refrigerator. And any event, (laughs) that's the type of kids I have. I don't know about you guys, but um, in any event, uh, my son is aware of their phone numbers. He knows how to access my phone, dial out from my phone, and he's four years old. Uh, as well as them checking in uh, on them. So I do have a contingency plan if something does happen. It's him and I. So if something happens to me in the house, I want him to be able to handle himself. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we do have contingency plans in place. That's awesome. Um, I I have people that would, if I ask them to watch my son or... um, you know, help me out with that. I have plenty of people that would do it. I don't use them. I, I'm, I like to get other kids most of the time to play with my kid. Um, but my, the people that I rely on the most is my mom. Um, I'm, I'm one of nine kids, seven of them are step. So, um, but they're my, my parents have 31 grandkids. So, um, at any given moment, they have like 10 at their house on the weekend. So I have a big family and um, they love to have all the kids over there. So I use that the most. Um, a lot of my friends in recovery, I just, I don't really use for that. But you, like you have don't have family here. I, I'm born and raised here. This is all my family is here. Um but I, I know that we were talking earlier about like social life a little bit. I just wanted to go back to that real quick. Um, for me, I'm sure he can relate as a single parent that's trying to put your recovery first and balance. Um, you know, he goes to the gym. I like to work out. I'm a I box um, and taking care of ourselves and taking care of our mind and our peace of mind. Um, but also having some kind of social life um we were actually talking about some of that stuff on the way here you know time is precious for me (laughs) um so i'm learning to be choosy with who i socialize with and what kind of energy i have around me man because at the end of the day um i can pick up some literature and i can watch a really good movie and be happy and satisfied i'm like one of those (laughs) right um but i have a social life it's funny because i actually have so many people that reach out to me and want to hang out and want to do stuff and want to hang out with me i'm grateful that i have that personality that i attract people towards me and i am very easygoing and people can tell me anything and i know how to hold water so i I think that the social life is very important for balance for us too, you know, definitely being a single parent. My only friend cannot be my 10 year old son. Cause he gets on my nerves. 
I know for me, um, my social life consists of when I have my son, it's, I, I try to be around like-minded people, um, which are mm -hmm. those who uh, want to live a better life, be it in recovery or other means, uh, and those who have kids. Because if I want to continue to be a better parent, I want to be around other parents that are trying to be better parents. Uh, so when I have my son, typically, if I am going to be out socializing, it's with other people who have kids. When I do not have my son, typically it's people who want to focus on recovery. Right. Uh, because that's my opportunity mm -hmm. to recharge, if you will. Because, mm -hmm. you know, being For a sure. single father can be draining, you know, because... Um, he gets 100% of my undivided attention because right now at his age, he requires that attention. Definitely. You know, he is growing and he is a sponge and um, my son is very active in activities. Uh, so we're learning how to read right now. He does four wheeling. He rides bikes. You know, cool. this kid is extremely active. Uh, and sometimes makes TikTok uh, videos with his. Dad. He makes TikTok videos with his it's dad. So you know, um, so what what happens is, <laughs> you, I, I'm I am what you classify an uh, older parent. I was uh, gonna say, do you keep up with this child? I mean, it sounds like he's doing not just the soccer stuff. He's doing like I don't know if your audience can visually see us, but uh, I will oh, disclose my age. I am fifty. No way, and really? He's an yeah, OG. Yeah. He's an OG. I'm 50 with a four-year-old. Okay. And not that I can run circles around them, but I can keep up with them for a solid couple good. hours. That's pretty know? good. Uh, so, uh, Do you, you require know. a nap? Come on, be honest. Absolutely. All right, good. <gasps> Absolutely. Yes, Gotta I take have one of those, nap. right? Absolutely. In a bath. And when know? he's with me and I'm taking a nap, he has to take a nap. All right, cool. Well, you know, he's when, still when, at that when, stage. When we're coming back from, from <laughs> trips and stuff like that, no, there's no sleeping in the car. You're going to stay up and keep yes. me company until we get <laughs> He's home. one of yeah. those. Yeah, I'm one of them guys. You know? That's funny. Poor baby. So I'm 47. I know I look 30. Um, so my kids are 15 and 12. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you guys that I struggle with my my youngest son was my recovery baby he's my heart um michael he's like so much like me and he's such a good kid he gets straight a's but he's on his phone all the time this technology thing i really try to limit it but what can you do so even before i came here tonight we we're having a discussion about his planner writing down his assignments and I don't want to say mean mom has to come out sometimes, but that discipline side of me that is hard because they want you to be the best friend, right? He came home from school. He's like, mom, you're so easygoing. Thank you. Because other parents are just not nice to their middle schoolers, but you're a cool mom, which it always feels good to get a little prop on that. But how do you handle the discipline? How do you discipline like effectively without stressing out and your energy level just like you know what i mean like you your body's tensing up i don't and you i don't know if you guys can hear my voice i don't have that issue <laughs> you change your voice I have that do you know that, that they've you know, they've yeah. actually done studies on that children actually yeah, listen your voice to changes. the male tone yeah um you know and more pushovers let's just be real right with with my son it doesn't um, take much i can say this uh with my adult kids, I was I was pretty much growing up with them. 
Um, I disciplined mm -hmm. them mm -hmm. uh, by the old adage, you know, uh, spoil the child, spare the rot. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, however, uh, with my son, he, my older kids look at him and say, you get away with murder. He would have never mm -hmm. handled things that way. And it's a true statement. Right. Uh, because what I've learned today is that I can sit down and actually hold a conversation, something that I'm willing to say today through recovery that I wasn't willing to say when I was coming up with my adult children is, I don't mind saying to my son that hurt my feelings. I don't mind mm. uh, uh, being able to say that and then sitting with him and uh, explaining and talking to him with why I'm making that statement and because I'm making that statement, there is no loss of love. I still love you regardless mm -hmm. of what's transpiring. And I don't ever want you to think that when dad gets upset or dad raises his voice or dad tells you to sit down or dad takes your toy or dad makes you sit at the table too long eating, that, that that's a result of me loving you less. And I make sure that he is fully aware that the two do not connect. They don't intersect with each other. My love has nothing to do with the discipline I mm -hmm. have to sometimes dish out to you. Um, and I re because because I have a lot more patience and a lot more understanding and I'm more in tune and I'm more available and I'm more aware, how I handle things today is from a place of love, from a place of recovery, not from a place of, you better do what I say because I'm your father. I brought you in this world. I'll, I'll take, take you out, out of it. You know? no, <laughs> Until you're no, able to cry about. No. And they don't come with a manual. No. Like no, they don't, no. you know what I mean? Now everything's electronic. I've read the books that don't apply. <laughs> right. What about you, Melissa? Oh. Boy, Ernest, you have a lot more recovery than I do. I can tell you that. So... With my 10-year-old son, it's been like a, it's been a lot of work for me and him. And um, I've definitely like went off on him a couple times. Um, and honestly, um, partly because I don't know how to handle certain situations without raising my voice. I was brought up around that, you know. Um, but I instantly felt guilty and I instantly always... You know, when the situation calms down, I, I tell him, you know, I love you, right? Yeah, I know you love me, mommy, you know, and he knows, he knows it hurts me probably just as much as it bothers him. Um, but honestly, that that's even getting a lot better. Like, I don't, I don't like to do that or be like that. I would rather be able to talk to you and you understand what I'm saying. You know, like, look me in the eyes. Let's talk about this. You agree with me that this is how it should be, right? So then let's do it. Let's work together. For him, the way it works for him for when it comes to chores or homework or anything, it's we're in this together, right? Yeah, we're in this together. Whether it's chores, him home, him doing homework even, it's a team thing. You know, we want Junior, I'm his mother, and we want Junior to be successful and not be a loser. You know what I mean? Like, right. real. That's really what it is. It is real. You know, and so I talk to him just like he's my friend. You know, and I just kind of like let him know we're a team. This is... Because I had to, I had to let him think of it like that, because he wants to be a good team player. You know, like Thomas the Train was his favorite, and he wants to be a useful train, right? Right. So we use that those analogies, and he loves that. That's what motivates him. So I use it um, when it comes to Riley too. We're a team. If Riley needs something, 
and two different things. I'll go get this junior. You go get her food bags. He knows right where everything is. He can do it. There's a lot of stuff he can do. And by next year or the year after that, he'll be the other person that can take care of Riley by himself because he'll know what to do. You know, whether it's to contact somebody right away or he can suction her, which is the most, the, the most of the part that we need to do the most. So it's a team thing, man. We all work together. This right. is our team. If I can jump in, sometimes I know that uh, there is a, a struggle with, in recovery, we're taught to accept people for right where they are. And oftentimes, I personally can get confused between looking at my four-year-old kid who's throwing a temper tantrum for no apparent reason and saying, I need to accept him for where he's at. And, and no, I need to parent him and discipline him because he's still a growing young man. And I have to, I have to make it a point to not get confused between saying to myself, I need to accept a four-year-old where he's at and he's actually still learning. Because I allow him to express himself, but I have to remind him that the household is not a democracy, it's an anarchy. Right, right. There you go. We don't we don't vote and we, we <laughs> I hear what you have to say, but we yeah. don't have even votes in the house. For sure. So So uh, I to to comment off that, I make it seem like that with Michael, I say, you know, I'm your mom and I sit him in the living room so we could be an equal playing field, right? And I say I want you to be able to tell me anything because I was always scared growing up in product of the 70s, 80s to talk to my parents about certain things. I don't want my kids to feel like they can't talk to me, especially when drugs and alcohol is being brought into middle schools now, like mm -hmm. even younger and younger. I want my kids to be able to know that I'm an addict that's recovering and it's okay to talk to me about sex and mm -hmm. and relationships and all that stuff that I was so scared I wouldn't tell my parents like but the thing is when I do feel like I do a good parenting tactic or it works I call my mom and dad on the phone usually my mom because I talk to her quite a bit and I say mom thanks and she'll be like like for what I said, I just used that, you know, that electricity thing that you pulled on me back in 1982. <laughs> it still works solid. Like, um, mom, I really appreciate what you did for me because I feel like kids are a product of their parents and to give them the respect of saying thank you, you know, because I grew up in a great house, a great family and became an addict in college, you know, a little later than kids now are getting clean. Um, I spoke Friday night, and this girl came up to me and told me she was 13 mm. at a 12-step meeting. So that's very young. How do you guys um, think that you're going to deal with, you know, those sort of addiction questions? You know, do your kids know that you're in recovery? My adult kids are fully aware that I'm in recovery. Mm -hmm. um, they, they understand that who I am today uh, for whatever recovery is doing I am a better person today than I was when they were seeing me actively using. Mm -hmm. um, they, they have connected with other kids in recovery whose parents experienced the same thing they have. So it gave them a place and a platform to be able to express something that they were incapable of expressing when I was actively using. Because at one point in time, uh, when I was actively using and dad wasn't home and dad was always gone, they didn't understand why and mom was making up stories for dad 
and they didn't have anyone to express that to. But now that we were able to connect with other kids in recovery, um, they they are able to uh, uh, release some of that and heal from some of that. My four year old, right. um, he he's never seen me use. He only see the dad that it is today. I just kind of treat it that way until the questions come. All right. Yeah. About you, Melissa. Um, with Junior, he's ten. You know, um, he's kind of in his own world still, though, and I I like that. Um, he he sometimes he complains about meetings, but I remember explaining to him, you know, mommy needs to go to meetings. And once I said it to him, when I say it with a serious tone, and he, he knows that I'm serious about it, he doesn't even gripe one more time because he knows when my change my tone changes what I mean, you know. So. I have no fear in bringing him to meetings. I actually grew up in the meetings. My dad has 33, 1987, 33 years clean. So I I grew up in the meetings, literally. Um, I don't believe that's why I did what I did or didn't do. So I just, I think knowledge is power. And I feel like if they understand, um, maybe they can actually counteract it before, you know? That's awesome. I feel like there's so many other things that I want to talk about with you guys. Uh, I, I have like so many topics around this topic oh, that we might have to like revisit this topic again. Would you guys be open to coming back? Like yeah, a part I, two? I would Because yeah. there's a lot more. Like oh, yeah. I want to dive into like how you feel about relapse and how you feel about blended families and all these other topics. Okay. But if you each could give a hope shot to someone that's maybe not in recovery that is struggling and has children and is scared say dcf is coming or um maybe somebody's watching this who has grandchildren and they want to help their kids you know get clean or whatnot is there just a quick like hope shot that you would give a little message of hope what i would say is um don't justify not putting your recovery first no matter what because it's so easy to justify when you're when you're a parent there's so many things we need to do as a parent so there's so many excuses for not putting our recovery first whatever that looks like so my hope shot would be don't let those justifications come in between putting your recovery first because it will all come together i know that like it it worked for me i just had to have that hope myself you know so that's great the only thing i can offer is i came from the streets and i came from the streets and i used for a very long time and thought that it would never end i came into recovery and the kids that didn't respect me and the kids that didn't want to be near me they didn't want to be around me um, as a result of recovery today i have relationships with my kids that are second to none recovery offers all things wow thank you both so much for coming on the show today thank you for appreciate having us you tomorrow thank you